0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, I want to talk today a little bit about God's presence, about God's presence. And, you know, we can, I know for me at least, you know, growing up and being in the church majority of my life, I'd hear people always kind of, Comment and reflect on feeling God's presence. And, you know, more specifically, it was about maybe environments that they're in, you know, like, for example, with camp, they'd say, you know, I really could feel God's presence out at camp or, or in worship today at church or in a specific situation and, and really having a, you know, a sense of feeling God's presence. But we can also, uh, have an issue with this is where we can really just associate our understanding of God's presence with our circumstances. And, you know, what we are currently experiencing at the time and what we're currently go through is how we kind of reflect on what God's experience, sorry, God's presence is in our life. So for example, you know, in times of joy and celebration, there's something great going on in our lives. It's easy for us to say, oh, I really feel God's presence in my life right now uh, with my circumstance, what's going on. But then on the flip side of it is we can go through, through pain, right? We can go through difficulty, difficult situations, seasons of life. And in those moments, it can feel so much that, oh, I just, I can't, where is God in this? I just can't feel God's presence in this moment, in this season of life and what we're going through. You know, when we, when we become a Christian, you know, we've received salvation and we we've all confessed that you know Jesus is Lord of our life. You know we've asked Him to come, forgive Him, forgive us of our sins. We invite Him into our hearts. And you know we've had this moment or or this event at some point. We call this moment you know salvation, right? Is it it us receiving salvation. And when we receive salvation, we have a word for this, and it's actually called justification. Now, I don't want to um, assume that anyone understands what I'm saying when I say the word justification. So I want to take some time and kind of break down what our, what our Christian understanding is when it relates to salvation and what our justification is. So we're going to start today by uh, talking about in Romans chapter 3, 23 through 26. I'm going to read it here. It says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace Now I'll give you a little bit more of a kind of a practical uh, example of what this looks like justification through through like a courtroom example. So we understand that that God is holy and perfect, and, and we're the ones who are sinners in comparison with Him. We, we you know we've fallen short of God. There's a gap between us and Him, and therefore we're guilty. We're guilty of our sin, and it's time for sentencing. So we're in the courtroom. It's time for us to find out what our sentence is, and this is now when Jesus steps into the courtroom. And he explains to the judge, you know, that he will come and he will take the punishment for us by going to die on the cross instead of us. And because of the punishment that's been now accomplished by Jesus through our faith, we accept his death on our behalf. So now we're fully acquitted. You know, his death, it really, it erased our record. And really this justification, it's God's mercy on us. So we've received justification, and now the death and resurrection of Jesus gave us a new standing before God. So we're no longer convicted. Jesus paid the penalty for us, and we are now justified and declared righteous in God's eyes as if we had never sinned. In Romans 3.22, it says the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. So we're gonna take some time here and I know we're kind of talking through some basics of our salvation and some mechanics. And I think it's really important that we do this because this is something that we have to always be consistently reminding ourselves or it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for, we have to be reminded of our salvation. And that's why it's important that we do communion from time to time, just like we did that Sunday, as we want last Sunday, sorry, as we wanna take time to remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us on the cross so we can receive salvation and have eternal life. All right, so now justification is just the beginning to receiving salvation. It's just the beginning. This is where it all begins, right? We're now a Christian, and we don't live for ourselves anymore, but we now live for him. And when we receive salvation, we also receive the Holy Spirit into our heart, right? When Jesus left the earth after he rose again, he said it was better for him to leave and give us the Holy Spirit now instead. And justification, it secures us in God's family, So now we're we're living our lives with the Holy Spirit, but at the end of the day, we're still sinners, and we still fall short of God's holiness and perfection, even though we've received salvation. So this is where now God wants to begin a work in us. And, you know, we say every Sunday, you know, we congratulate people when they receive Christ, but we say today's just the beginning. Now God wants to work in your life. So now I want to talk about what sanctification is. Now, sanctification is God's work in us now, to make us more like jesus after we receive received salvation so uh, sanctification is the work of the holy spirit and god's word in our lives right this is god changing us now he slowly changes to act more uh, godly to have, be more christ-like like we see uh, in the bible and now this is where um unlike justification justification is something that we receive we don't have to do anything we really just have to accept him as lord over our lives but where sanctification comes in is now we actually have a responsibility in this process. It's not just about what God did. It's about now. It's a relationship with him, sanctification. The Bible clearly points out that we have a role in this process. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with each other, sorry, with everyone, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So God's will and our sanctification is now our first priority, and it's our responsibility. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we allow the Holy Spirit now to work in work in us, and we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit if we want to actually see change happen in our lives. And we need to consciously make a decision to walk with the Holy Spirit and to set our mind now on what the Spirit desires. You know, for example, the easiest way to kind of think about this is just thinking about your responsibility when it comes to um, your thinking, right? It's, let's say, for example, you're just thinking hateful thoughts about someone, but it's my responsibility to set my mind on what needs to happen, what needs to change. It's going to be the Holy Spirit's job to reveal it to us, but it's not my responsibility to change that. For example, in Philippians 4, uh, 8 instructs us here. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, if the word of God you know, instructs us to do something, then we must have the power to do it. God knows that we have the power to do it, right? It is, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to reveal the areas in us that need to change, but now it's our job to invite his help, his wisdom, and his word into our lives and, and allow God's church at the same time to support us so that we're empowered for change because God knows that we're not just gonna do this on our own, we also need people, we also need the church around us to empower us for this, for this change. And, you know, this all starts with us being rooted out of our relationship with Jesus because our relationship with God is the greatest thing that we have as Christians. You know, something I've noticed in, in North American culture, you know, specifically, is, is our culture sometimes likes to make us feel like we're kind of mini-gods. You know what I mean? We're making mini-gods of it ourselves. And what I mean by that is more like, Saying that you know you're this person who needs to choose everything that you know that's best for you. You know what makes you feel good about yourself. You know don't do anything that you don't like or it's going to challenge you. If it doesn't make you happy, you know it's all about your happiness. You know and being like true to yourself. And really it's a, it's it's a, a me 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 you know serve me mentality. It's it's like you're the god that needs to serve itself. And it's a very it's a very wrong approach that you're the god that just has to serve you. And here's the problem with this is now that when we become a Christian and we make God a Lord and Savior of our life, and if we don't correct this, you know, mental, this cultural mentality in us, now when we accept Christ into our lives, we can now think that Jesus is really just our, our life coach and he's there to support now our needs and goals, that he, we've invited him alongside us. And that's why we've taken time here to really stress the understanding of our justification and now our need for sanctification, right? You can't just have one without the other. You have to have both. You have to receive justification. You've, God's done this for you, but now you need to work with God uh, for your sanctification because Jesus is not your life coach he's your Lord. And we must consistently be sanctified by the Holy Spirit, right? We understand that God is first now and I am second. God is first And I am second. It's really important that we kind of grasp this and really ground ourselves in this understanding uh, as we continue our message today. It's just understand, again, that he is Lord. It's not a lifestyle of him being our life coach. It's about getting on our knees and saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I surrender to you. I serve you because I understand that your will is perfect and pleasing and good, not my own, right? Romans 12 um, is a great chapter to read on that. And so let's lean in right now, and let's look at what God's word says about leaning into his presence. First thing I wanna talk about today is leaning into his presence. Actually, I should say the second thing. We just did the first thing. Is leaning into his presence with humility. Leaning into his presence with humility. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, In Luke chapter 14, verse 11, he says this, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then in 1 Peter 5, 5 to 7 says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now back to this kind of cultural thinking uh, of, you know, us being these like mini gods serving ourselves is, you know, I've actually seen these negative opinions towards Christianity from the outside um, of people looking at this understanding of us, you know, understanding that we're broken and that we're lost without God. And and there's a negative, you know, mindset saying like, you know, how dare a God say that you're bad and you're not good enough and you're, you know, you're not broken. You're perfect just the way you are, as long as you make yourself happy, you know, and so on and so on. And the, the And then the, sorry, the I would say the, uh, the misinformation, if you will, on that is that it's saying that, you know, you, that God's saying you suck as a person, but it's not that at all. What God's saying is that he's understanding that, I, hey, this is who I am in contrast to you, is that I'm holy and perfect. And it's not a posture, again, of, of you're bad person. It's a posture of humility, understanding who I am in comparison to Jesus, is that I know that I fall short. And I know that with Jesus now I'm connected to him and do have abundant life because of Jesus. Right? Cuz Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. John 15:5. Yes, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Right? We're nothing if we're not connected to the vine. I want to live out of God's plan now for my life, not my own, because I understand that he is God and I'm not. He's the one who's holy and righteous. And I have faith now to understand that his plan is going to be better than my own, because we all have our own plans in our own ways. And now we have to have faith to understand that God has a better plan for us. Now, I don't know uh, about you, but I find that humble people in my life are the easiest people to be friends with and have around. You know what I mean? We want, the main reason why is because humble people have the easiest time understanding when they're wrong, right? When they're admitting their faults, admitting that they're wrong about something. I, I know for me, my dad was a good example of this growing up. He could always admit when he was wrong to us. You know, sometimes it could take him a bit, but my mom would help him realize, and, and the Holy Spirit was like, hey, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done this. And it was always an example of, hey, sorry guys, I screwed up, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I have someone close in my life that, that their father was, was actually the opposite example. It was always out of a position of pride and never being able to admit they're wrong because they thought, hey, I'm the parent, I'm the one with authority, I'm always right, doesn't matter what you say, I'm not going to admit when I'm wrong or something. And of course, it was really hard for that person to have a really close uh, a relationship with their dad growing up and and the point I really want to get, get into your mind, especially if you're new to Christianity or you're not saved yet, is that it's not about shame. Shame is the total opposite. That's, that's the lie that wants to be sown in you, but it's not. It's about humility. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference with accepting and understanding our problems and not at a place of guilt and shame. It's the understanding that, hey, I can't do any of this on my own, and I need his strength. Because we never hired Jesus as a life coach You've handed your life over to him. There's a big difference. You allow his presence now to lead and to change you through the Holy Spirit. It's all about humility. Because it's not just a God to come and make everything better, but it's someone that you're kneeling before, you're worshiping, you're praising, and you're thanking. I think it's so important that these worship songs that we sing, and it's really important to really focus on what the words and the lyrics are saying. Because here's what they're not saying. They're not saying you know, make me great, God, you know, make me respected, make me strong, make me loved. It's not about a me thing, but it's all about a God, I need you, God, I love you. You know, you reign above it all like we just sang. It's about, you know, I can only do this with you and I need your presence and I need you in my life and thanking him for who he is. Because when we, we enter into his presence, we must enter with humility. And our humility reminds us of our contrast to who God is. Here's the cool part about humility, though. One of the results of humility is humility can produce a self-awareness. Humility produces a self-awareness. You know, we need to be aware of the work that God needs to be done in us for, in order for us to actually do it. You know, when we act in humility, we're, we're acknowledging what's wrong, and we're acknowledging what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us, right? It's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal it, and it's our job now to acknowledge it and be aware of it, because Here's the thing, like I know for me in my human nature, it's so easy for me to be aware of the work that needs to be done in others before myself, right? It's so easy to to see everybody else's problems, see the problems in our friends' lives, the problems uh, in our kids, our government, our coworkers, our bosses, our schools, whatever the situation, our in-laws, whatever the situation is, it's so easy for us to see the problems in everyone else. And it's, and it's usually a lot harder to look and address the problems um, of our own. But humility produces this awareness in us. And this is what God is calling us to. And as, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, our humility brings an awareness of what needs to change now. And we can start this process of allowing God to do a work in us. We need to lean into his presence while staying present. Lean into his presence while staying present. At the beginning of the book of Thessalonians, Paul is writing, and he wants to know how the Christians are doing in Thessalonica. So he sends Timothy to go in and check on them. You know, he couldn't just text them. He had to send somebody over there and see how they're doing. He wanted to know how these new Christians and this new church was doing. So Timothy comes back. He's got a really good report, and here's what he says in chapter 3. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have uh, pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about about you because of your faith. For now, we really live. Since you are standing firm in the Lord, how can we thank God enough for you in return of all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Now, like what it says here in verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. I love how Paul cares so much for the church and he needs a report. So he sends Timothy, Timothy out sorry uh, to see how these guys are doing. And what I really want us to kind of pull from this, from this scripture is the desire for others to do well in their faith. You know, we, we have these, we have these cameras. You've probably seen them all around the room, uh, in our auditorium here. And, and several of them are on, on these tripods, right? We call them actually sticks. That's what they call them in the, in the production, the kind of the nerdy world. They call them sticks. And what, what they're designed to do is they're designed obviously to keep the camera, you know, stable and, and held up. But then they're also designed so that it can move around, the camera can see what it needs to see. And there's two basic terms on how you move the camera when it's on a tripod. The first one is called pan, and the other one is called tilt. Now, tilt means to move up and down, just tilt the camera, and pan means side to side. You know, and being in my church, being in church, you know, my whole life, and, you know, you see a lot of things, and you meet a lot of people, and you see people who are just... Um, I would say just so all about being in God's presence. They are so locked into the desire to live in God's presence, which is great. They're so about, you know, them and God and being with him. And they could tilt really well, right? And when I say tilt really well, I mean up and down, you know, an awareness of God and themselves and being in his presence. But the problem is, is when they don't find a way to pan. And what I mean by this is I mean looking side to side and not seeing others that are around them. And their their, their, presence, their awareness of their presence with God is, about, is about, about them and God, but it's not about others and their lives and not living in God's presence and, and not seeing everyone else around them. Because like that tripod, it's designed to see the whole picture. It's designed to see everyone. And, and that's what Paul is really leaning into here is that he cares so much about how others is doing. He's not just focused on his own life and what's going on, but he's also focused on the people that he's impacting as well. And I think... You know, even just what we when we thanked all those volunteers for helping out at Risen Camp, it was such a good example of people that um, weren't just about you know them and their and their impact on, on their presence with God personally, but also others as well. Is that they could look side to side and do both together so well, and people that can sacrifice and, and give and give to things and give their time to things as well. And I'm just so thankful that we are a church that doesn't isn't so focused on just us and God, but we're focused on everyone as well. And that's why we do things. That's why we do our car show every year. That's why we do Risen Camp. That's why we make a conscious effort. Even this fall, we'll do our Trunk and Treat event. That's all about us just looking side to side. And let's just get our community uh, on site. And let's just love on them. And let's do something amazing for them. Is because we want to be people that are focused on our presence with God, but on others as well and growing others at the same time. And that's why that verse 12 is so important. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other, as for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Because God's presence isn't just for you. It's meant to have an overflow so you can impact others too, right? You stay in his presence, but you experience the presence still. You live in the present because that's where people live, right? You can help people draw closer to God when you lead them into his presence. And, you know, living in his presence has to be, has to be as much human as it is holy, right? It's, so it's as much vertical as it is, as it, you know, tilt, as it is panning with people, is that we understand um, uh, that it's just not just about this holiness and this presence with God, but it's about people. It's about humanity with us. Live in His presence and stay present. You know, we lean into His presence with prayer. You know, the primary way we know God is our is our prayer life. I know that like this is something that we teach. You know, Christians, it's all about you know getting to God's word. It's all about you know worshiping Him and your prayer life. And and prayer is the most practical the most practical outworking of a loving relationship with God, right? Especially when we look at the life of Jesus as our example, is that Jesus was so devoted to prayer. And, he, you know, he, his, literally his life, we just see it all through the scriptures, just him taking time just to be with God, be with the Father and pray. And, and maybe you're kind of confused by this. You're like, well, why did Jesus need to pray if he was also God? Is he just praying to himself? But here's why. It's because Jesus came as a human and humans need to pray. He and our, he's our example. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. You know, prayer was the key to Jesus's life is that he, Jesus did supernatural things, but he also did all the natural things that we do, right? Prayer was a human thing for him, just like it was to go eat and drink and sleep. He also had to pray. He was our example to always be in relationship and communication with the Father. Acts 6.4 says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This verse says, we'll give ourselves continually. What it was like to give something. It's related to give our full selves into this is that our life is about a continual prayer with Christ. And it's our primary means of fellowship and talking with God is that we can listen, we can speak and we can fellowship with him through prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, prayer brings us into God's presence. You know, for me, growing up, uh, I found myself sometimes being intimidated by how people would pray. I, you know, I would find myself in you know different church settings, and I feel like when people would pray, they would sometimes use all these weird verbs and language that you would never actually have in a real conversation with someone. And then it kind of kind of mixed up my mindset of what it meant to talk to God. It was that it was like, oh, I have to use this other kind of language and these other words I would never, you know, say in a normal conversation to a friend, and. And uh, in Luke 11, Luke sees that Jesus you know, relies so heavily on prayer to do his ministry. And he asks him, God, how do we pray? Like, how do we do this thing? And this was Luke really just diving in and really having just a curiosity for Jesus's life. And what happens here is Jesus references the Lord's Prayer that he teaches on the Sermon on the Mountain. And we've all know, we all, I'm sure, heard this prayer, whether you're a Christian or not. And it says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the New King James Version. Uh, of this Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to read another version that I kind of just made up here. So this is going to be like a, a message version on steroids or something. I just want to really simplify this so you really understand um, uh, what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, God who is in heaven, you are holy. We want what you want to happen. God, provide us the things we need. Please forgive us our sins just as we forgive people who do wrong to us. God, help us to do what is right. You are awesome forever and ever. I like how Jesus starts and he ends this prayer with praising God first, right? Our prayer starts with leaning into, leaning into praise because we understand we don't pray because of us, because we're awesome, because, but it's all about because he is awesome and we're praising him first and prayer leads, leans us into God's presence and talking to Jesus is our solution. You know, God, all I need is a vacation, God, all I need is a raise, a new car, a new house. The problem with that, when we consistently do that, is prayer is not a transaction, it's a relationship, right? Relationships only work with communication, right? We don't communicate with our friends, um, our spouse, spouse, whoever it is, strictly out of just a need for something. But communication is a key to any real relationship. And that's why we see, you know, throughout the whole book of Psalms and David's prayers, he's continually just praising and thanking God as he talks to him. You know, what I've had to learn now, you know, from being a kid to a maturing Christian is that prayer is not about being, you know, religious and perfect and using the right words that I thought, you know, I heard people do, but it was really about me just being real and authentic in my relationship with God when I talked to him. It wasn't about being religious and perfect. It was just about being real and authentic because, Here's the thing. God doesn't care about the posture or the type of prayer you're praying, but he he cares about the posture of your heart and what your heart is asking and what your heart heart is pleading to God. We need to enter into his presence in prayer with praise and thanksgiving and authenticity. Luke 5.16, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know, Jesus leaves the crowd, and he he goes to a place of peace, and how do we get to a peaceful place to pray in our lives? Well, we do what Jesus would, we get rid of people, and we just go to a place alone sometimes, right? He did this consistently because he needed his time with God and not others always, especially when it came to his prayer life, is that we have to learn to do this by going alone sometimes. You know, when we find time to go alone, it's, again, it's the place where we can find clarity and just peace between him and God because at the end of the day, you know, your relationship with the Lord is more important than any relationship, you know, in your life. And why this is so important is because obviously one day we will die and we will go to heaven and guess who's gonna be beside us? It's not gonna be your spouse. It's not gonna be your best friend. It's not gonna be your your mom or your grandma who dragged you to church. There's no one there. It's literally just you and God. The people you had here on earth aren't going to be standing before Him, and you're going to be the one giving an account for your life. It's to be about you and Him, because there's no human crutch for you uh, when we're in a, when we're standing before God in heaven. It's just us and Him. It's about your faith in Him. It's about the fact that you need Christ and you are meant to be in a relationship with Him. Your relationship doesn't happen through someone else. We, our relationship obvi- uh, often gets to God because of other people, but our ongoing relationship, our ongoing sanctification with God is about us and him and us about leaning into his presence and learning how to do that on our own. You know, um, we talk about, you know, building God's church and, you know, and what this next season looks like for us as a church. When I say next season, I mean, we've kind of finally moved past, you know, this COVID era we've been in for the last two years. And as we go into the fall, you know, September's kind of like, feels like the new year for a lot of us with kids going back to school and things like that. And, you know, I really feel like God has a call for our church, you know, when it comes into this next season that we're going to build, you know, big churches. It's really important that we build big churches because we have a whole city that's lost here that needs Jesus. But it's also important that we build big Christians at the same time. And what I really mean by that is, you know, we've seen actually a lot of People, unfortunately, throughout you know, the season of COVID that you know might have been in church, may have had a relationship with God, but they never really grew and matured and really walked out that sanctification process that we talked about, that didn't make that the goal of their life now that had Jesus, and it became so easy for them to slip away with a relationship with God. And it's so important that as we build big churches, we build big Christians as well because we need big Christians in our church, We need them in our neighborhoods. We need them in our schools. We need them in our government. We need need Christian lawyers. We need Christian police officers. We need Christians everywhere. Christians who can stand on their own two feet, confident in their relationship and understanding of the word of God and who he is and what he's done and what he's gonna continually do in their lives and by building his church. Can we just all stand right now? You know, unfortunately, we, there can be some big obstacles when it comes to us really leaning into God's presence. And I think the most common obstacle when talking to people and seeing in people's lives when they feel like they can't feel God's presence, and the obstacle is, it's our pain. It's our suffering, right? Our hearts can get so hardened, by the suffering we face and the things we go through, right? The the traumatic death in your family that wasn't expected. Cancer in someone, whatever it is. Sorry, try to keep my emotions together, but can never figure it out. But I don't know what is going on in your life right now. But there's something, there's something there. And there's something that might be causing that block between, you feel like there's a block there between you and God, because you just can't understand the suffering and the pain that you're going through. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of god this is what's really important here and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus you can be in the worst situation but god promises you peace now if there's one thing i'd want you to take away from this message today if you're if you're really struggling with this is that your suffering doesn't determine your faith but your faith will determine your suffering now, now, here's what I mean by that is that, you know, suffering is, can be the most uh, significant place where we experience God's love, His joy, and His peace. I can't imagine going through, you know, suffering in my own life and not having God there with me. It's not, it's not a separation of why is this happening, but it's like, man, I can't believe this is happening, and I need God to walk me through this. right? as we lean into His love and His joy and His peace. So what I want to ask you today is, you know, what worries do you need to release to him so that you can be at peace in God's presence and really lean into his presence in your life? Can we all just bow our heads right now? I just want you to be able to just surrender whatever those worries are, whatever that thing is that's making you anxious right now in your life, that you feel like, where is God in this? Where, where is God's presence in my life right now? I just want you to, to just to think about what those things are in your life and let's pray for them together. God, right now we just release what's going on, Lord God. Whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever worries, uh, whatever anxiety that we're dealing with, Lord God, you know what they are, Lord. And God, right now we surrender this to you, and we don't, we don't look in this, uh, this situation, Lord God, and wonder where you are, but we invite you into it. Right now we thank you, Lord God, that you're the one who's walking us through this and making it possible to fight through this, Lord God, and to conquer it, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. You're not just gonna bring us through this, Lord, but you're the God of resurrection and redemption, Lord God. And you're the God that's going to bring healing to this situation, Lord God. You're the one that's going to conquer with us, Lord God. And we're going to see supernatural things happen in our lives because of you, Lord God, and believing for whatever circumstance that we need breakthrough of right now, Lord God. We do this because of who you are, not because who we are, Lord God. We just ask for less of us and more of you in your lives, Lord God. We just ask for a continual sanctification of our lives. Amen. I want to pray one more prayer Um, for anyone here who's maybe doesn't know God yet, you've never actually prayed that prayer of salvation and received what we talked about when we said, you know, justification. Now we talked about those two differences of justification and sanctification because it's really important that you understand the difference between the two because if you need to get them in the right order, it has to go justification and sanctification. It's not sanctification and justification because here's here's why I say that is because you can get really confused what it means to accept God accepting God doesn't mean fixing a bunch of problems in your life and then you can receive Jesus it's that you're coming as you are it has nothing to do with what you've done it has to do with what God's done what Jesus has done for you and all you have to do is receive it and say God I'm a sinner I need you you are Lord Jesus is Lord over my life and I accept you into it And then you get to begin this journey with God that we call sanctification, right? And this is the process of God working in our lives now, us leaning into him, leaning into his presence, letting him change us. And this process isn't just like, is this like a one month deal? Is this a one year? This is the rest of your life now until you go to be with him. The rest of your life is you leaning into God, leaning into your relationship, letting him disciple you, letting the word of God and the Holy Spirit change your life. So let's bow our heads. And if you're in this room right now, you don't have to lift your hand or anything. I just want you to repeat in your heart this prayer to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God, today, I invite you into my life, Lord. I acknowledge that you are Lord and you are, you are my Savior, Lord. God, I ask right now, Lord, just to forgive me of my sins, Lord. And I thank you for sending your son, uh, to Jesus, to die on the cross so that I can have eternal life and live with you forever, Lord God. I just thank you today, Lord God, for beginning this journey in my life, Lord, and for allowing me to be continually changed by the Holy Spirit from this day forward. I live not for myself, but I live for you, Lord God. We pray this in your name together. We all said, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationemittant.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.